For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind. I now fully allow all my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind. I now fully avow all my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind. I now fully avow. Harmony of difference and sameness. The mind of the great sage of India is intimately transmitted from west to east. While human faculties are sharp or dull, the way has no northern or southern ancestors. The spiritual shorts signs clear in the light. The branching streams flow on in the dark. Grasping at things is surely delusion. According with sameness is still not enlightenment. All the objects of the senses interact and yet do not. Interacting brings involvement. Otherwise, each keeps its place. Sights vary in quality and form. Sounds differ as pleasing or harsh. Refined and common speech come together in the dark. Clear and murky phrases are distinguished in the light. The four elements return to their natures just as a child turns to its mother. Fire heats, wind moves, water wets, earth is solid. Eye and sights, ear and sounds, nose and smells, tongue and tastes. Thus with each and everything, depending on these roots, the leaves spread forth. Trunk and branches share the essence, revered and common. Each has its speech. In the light there is darkness, but don't take it as darkness. In the dark there is light, but don't see it as light. Light and dark oppose one another like the front and back foot in walking. Each of the myriad things has its merit expressed according to function and place. Phenomena exist, box and lid fit, principle responds, arrow points meet. Hearing the words, understanding the meaning, don't set up standards of your own. If you don't understand the way right before you, how will you know the path as you walk? Progress is not a matter of far or near, but if you are confused, mountains and rivers block your way. I respectfully urge you who study the mystery, do not pass your days and nights in vain. 
May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness, we have chanted the harmony of difference and sameness. We dedicate this merit to our original ancestor in India, great teacher Shakyamuni Buddha. Our first woman ancestor, great teacher Maha Prajapati. Our first ancestor in China, great teacher Bodhidharma. Our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher Eihei Dogen. Our first ancestor in America, great teacher Shogako Shunryu. The perfect wisdom Bodhisattva Manjushri. To the well-being of all those afflicted with ills and to peace pervading for all peoples of the world, Gratefully, we offer this virtue to all beings, all Buddhas throughout space and time, all honored ones, Bodhisattva, Mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom, Mahaprabhu. When Tigan is ready, he will begin tonight's sermon talk. Good evening, everyone. Uh, can you hear me? So, first of all, happy Valentine's Day. I want to tell a story about love. Actually, all of Zen is about love. Um, sometimes I talk on this day about Martin Luther King's wonderful discussion of the varieties of love. But, of course, love includes romantic love, love of all beings, or love of the universe and the world and our environment. And also uh, what we might call brotherly love or sibling love. So I want to tell a story about brotherly love um, this evening. <clears throat> it's one of the um, most important stories in our uh, family style. I'll get to talk yesterday morning, gave a wonderful talk about our <clears throat> family style of just sitting. And today I want to talk about uh, one of the most important stories in our tradition, uh, uh, a couple of you may have heard it many times, but um, I never get tired of it. So this is case 21 in the book of Serenity, Koan Collection. And maybe I should introduce the cast of characters first. The two main characters in the story, the two characters in the story are named Yunyan and Dawu. Yunyan is an important ancestor in our, in our lineage. Uh, he was the teacher of Dongshan, who wrote the Song of the Jewel Mare Samadhi and was the founder, of, formerly, of Saodong or Soto Zen in China. And Dawu, Dogo in Japanese, uh, was his brother, brother monk, and also his biological brother. And as siblings sometimes do, uh, they kind of gave each other a hard time to help each other. So, um, so those are two characters in the story, but I also want to mention two other characters. Uh, uh, Hongzhi Zhongzhui, 
who um, I'll be talking about more uh, next Saturday, wrote the selected the cases and wrote verse comments for the Book of Serenity. And then another great teacher, Wansong, who's very interesting, uh, did a long commentary. So I'll be referring to both of their <clears throat> of their uh, teachings. So the story, here's the story, the whole story. As Yunyan was sweeping the ground, Dawu said, too busy. Yunyan said, you should know there's one who isn't busy. Dawu said, if so, then there's a second moon. Yunyan held up his broom and said, which moon is this? So that's the whole story. And it's wonderful. And there's a lot, so much that can be said about it. Or, you know, maybe there's nothing to be said. But in any event, I'm going to talk about it. Um, so the, the story, you know, it's, um, as I say, a key story in our family style and our lineage. And it's also, it's, to me, a very relevant um, story for our modern practice, uh, our practice as... Uh, uh, non in a non-residential center as uh, lay practitioners, Yunyan and Dawu were uh, in a monastery, and uh, in the monastery, there's a lot of time spent cleaning the monastery, and Yunyan was sweeping. So at, at our old temple way back, uh, we had in, on Irving Park Road, uh, we did after Sunday Dharma talk, we did temple cleaning. But in monasteries, there are periods of temple cleaning every day. Um, so um, that's what Yunyan was doing. He was sweeping the ground. He was sweeping the temple, uh, cleaning the temple. And uh, Dao was passing by, and he said, too busy. So this is also, you know, something that we can relate to. Um, even in our pandemic, there's multitasking. There's some of us get very busy. Um, how do we practice when we feel busy? This is a story I have to keep telling myself. <laughs> um, Yunyan said, Dawu said, too busy. And Yunyan said, you should know there's one who's not busy. He didn't say he wasn't busy, but he said, you should know there's one who's not busy. So, um, Right in the middle of his busyness, he knew the one who is not busy, who's not caught by all the fuss and, and uh, troubles of the world and of our lives and of our busy schedules and all of that. There's one who's not busy. This is very important to know there's one who's not busy. In fact, um, Yunyan, um, actually, he was two generations after Shuto or Sekito, who wrote The Harmony of Difference and Sameness, um, and, um, which ends with, it can be translated as Don't Waste Time. Uh, once somebody asked my teacher, Tenshin Anderson, what does it mean not to waste time? And he just said, forgetting the one who's not busy. So this story, uh, I actually, you know, uh, I'm very fond of. I used it as my as my uh, case for the Shuso ceremony when I was 
Chuseo or head monk at Tassajara in 1990. There's a ceremony where everybody asks the head monk, uh, head monk of the practice period questions, and and they usually offer a case, often about Bodhidharma, but I use this story. Um, so there's one who's not busy. How do we realize there's one who's not busy? What does that mean? What is that, what is, who is it that's not busy? Who is it that's not caught up in all of the fussing and the schedules and the busyness of the world? Um, can you know that one even in your busyness? This is an important uh, touchstone for us. But Dao said, if so, then there's a second moon. So does that mean there's two realities? There's a busy reality of the world, samsara maybe, and then there's the world where you're not busy, where everything is just totally at peace. Are there two moons? Are there two realities? Are there two worlds? Do we fall into dualism if we uh, talk like this? And Yunyan did this wonderful thing. He held out his broom and he said, which moon is this? So he, he, didn't, he didn't say it's this or that or the other. He, he just asked the question, which moon is this? As I sweep the ground. So, uh, so many things to say. Uh, in his commentary, Wansong says, as you, and he's talking to, to uh, monks in a monastery, but this applies to us. As you eat, boil tea, sow, or sweep, you should, uh, you should recognize the one not busy. Then you will realize the union of mundane reality and awakened reality. In the Dongshan tradition, so does in family style, this is called simultaneous inclusion, naturally not wasting any time. So um, we think of these, you know, we could talk about them as sameness and differences. Like in the chant we just did, um, the difference of all the things in the world that you have to take care of, all the schedules and busyness of your life that you have to take care of. Of course, we have to take care of those things. But then there's also something that goes beyond. This way in which we are all totally connected. And the style of our family style is about uh, the mutual inclusion of this, the harmony of this, the integration of something that we uh, start to recognize in our Zazen practice. And over time, as we sit and as we bring Zazen into uh, not just sitting, but every aspect of our activity, we uh, have this sense I don't know if it's a sixth sense or a twenty-seventh, tenth sense or whatever, but it's it's um, or a fifty sense. Anyway, it's um, this awareness of something that is goes beyond all our busyness. But that doesn't mean that you should go off, you know, and hide in your room and not take care of all the things of the world. So how do they interact? This is the issue here. Are these two separate things, or is this one? Of course, there's the issue, again, of being not busy, and there's so many things to say about this. This applies to right livelihood. How do we find a livelihood where we can remember there's there's one not busy, where we are taking care of all things, but also we can find our calm and steadiness and flexibility. So uh, 
Wansong says further about this. Um, he mentions uh, uh, one of the great, one of the Mahayana Sutras, the Shurangama Samadhi Sutra, that, and he says, he quotes it, like the second moon, who will say it is the moon? Who will deny it? For Manjushri, only one moon is real. In between, there is naturally nothing that is or is not the moon. So, um, another character, Manjushri, the Bodhisattva of insider wisdom, who <clears throat> sits in the middle of meditation halls, sometimes holds a sword to cut through all delusions, uh, sometimes just holds a, a teaching scroll. Uh, Usually the Prajnaparamita, the teaching of perfection of wisdom, of great emptiness. Um, what's, which moon is this? Which moon is this? This is a real question. How do we see in the middle of our busyness uh, the one who's not busy? Um, so there's, there's another story. This is in the commentary. Of the uh, of case thirty seven of the book of serenity, so uh, I'm going to talk about these, and then you know, hopefully, we'll have some discussion about this, about the one not busy, and uh, how do we see that in our busy life? Um, So uh, when when uh, Yun Yan says, "Which moon is this?" You know, uh, we could. See, the moon is one, of course. On this planet, we only have one moon. Uh, there are planets where there are many moons or a few moons. But um, in uh, there's a the Hongzhu's verse comment to case 37. I won't, don't need to mention the case, but he has this line. Um, Do you know the self or not? Vaguely, like the moon through ivy. A crescent at that. So when they talk about the moon in Zen stories in East Asia, generally, they're talking about the round whole moon, the full moon. And this full moon, because of its roundness, uh, represents wholeness, fullness, the wholeness of our life, the wholeness of our practice. That wholeness that we can get a sense of when we just sit and settle, and are aware of thoughts and feelings, and and don't get and and finally not become so intimate with our thoughts and feelings that we don't need to get caught by them. They still may they still are thoughts and feelings. Um, so the full moon is the whole the, the moon that represents fullness, wholeness, realization, awakening, if you will. Uh, so there's a story that's in the commentary that, that, that Wansong tells. And just to say a little bit about Wansong, because he's a, uh, I'm going to be talking a lot about Hongzhu, who wrote the, picked the cases and wrote the verses next Saturday from my book, Cultivating the Empty Field, uh, translations of Hongzhu. But Wansong was also very interesting. He, he lived in Beijing. He had some interesting disciples, including one who became abbot at Shaolin and sort of founded the martial arts tradition at Shaolin, um, uh, 
not because he was a martial artist himself, but he brought together uh, martial arts experts from all of China. That was a time when uh, there was a lot of difficulty and tension and uh, uh, violence, um, a difficult time like ours. Anyway, uh, Wan Song was a great, great teacher. In his, commenta- in his commentary, in this case, referring back to, the, to this line from Hongzhou in his verse, like the moon through ivy, a crescent at that. You know, this, this is, goes back to the actual moon viewing. That is a ceremony in most of East Asia. People actually go out and sit and look at the moon when it's full. Still, they go out and just watch the moon. <laughs> moon gazers and especially on the full moon and but but um this line like the moon through ivy a crescent at that uh a lot of times in discussing the moon the fullness of the moon the fullness of our lives poets talk about the moon uh, covered by clouds or in the song of the Jewel Maris Samadhi, a heron hidden in the moon, a heron flying across the full moon, uh, a white heron like the white moon. So um, there's an issue here about, about awakening and wholeness. And it's talked about here um, in terms of the full moon and the crescent moon. So these old stories, there are these old dialogues between different teachers. And, and um, uh, let's see, um, this is, this, uh, Wansong starts with a story about two other teachers, Yang Shan and Shan Dao. And they were out walking, gazing at the moon. And Yang Shan, Yang Shan asked, when the moon is a crescent, where does the round shape go? And when it is full, where does the crescent shape go? Shandao said, when it's a crescent, the round shape is concealed. When it's full, the crescent shape remains. So they're talking about the moon, but they're also talking about awakening and delusion. Dogen says to be awake through awakening and deluded through delusion. So the full moon, the round-shaped moon, is an image of awakening, of wholeness, of fullness. Uh, The crescent moon is partial. So Yangshan again asks, when the moon is a crescent, where does the round shape go? And when the moon is full, where does the crescent shape? Of course, when there's a crescent moon, we can see the outline of the full moon, actually. But um, when we're in awakening, where does delusion go? When we're in delusion, where does awakening go? Shandau said, when it's a crescent, the round shape is concealed. There's no, no fullness, no wholeness in delusion. When it's full, the crescent shape remains. So even in awakening, we don't ignore delusion. We don't ignore cause and effect. We don't ignore karma. Okay, so that's the first story. And then, but then there's a story again about Yunyan and Dongsha and, and, and Dawu. Again, the two brothers. Uh, Yunyan was sweeping around and Dawu said too busy. But there's this later dialogue between them 
they heard about this story about Yangshan and Shandao, Yunyan said, when it is a crescent, the round shape remains. When it's full, the crescent shape does not exist. So when it's when it's a crescent, the round shape is still there. Even in our delusion, wholeness, fullness is still there. When it's full, the crescent shape does not exist. So that was Yunyan's position, and he is the ancestor, the founder of our family style. Dao said, when it's a crescent, yet it's not a crescent. When it's full, it's still not round. So he's pointing at emptiness. We can't get a hold of either the crescent or the full moon. So these are, you know, poetic images, but they're a way of talking about something about our practice. So Dogen has some comments on this later. I'll find it in just a second. So one of the things about um, about our family style and this teaching tradition and, and these teaching stories, these koans, is that they refer back to each other. So Zen is supposedly a um, tradition of pointing directly to the heart on Valentine's Day or any other day, beyond words and letters. That doesn't mean we don't uh, we don't have words and letters. In fact, we have huge libraries full of commentaries on these stories and commentaries on those commentaries, and then further commentaries. And I'm adding to it, but um, uh, the point is not to be caught by any particular way of talking, by any particular formulation. So um, in his extensive record, Ehekoroku, Dogen talks, actually talks uh, many times, uh, refers to the story. Um, in, his, in one of his, well, in, in his Shobogenzo essay, called Tsuki or the moon, he says, the moon is not one moon or two moons, not thousands of moons or myriads of moons. Even if the moon itself holds the view of one moon or two moons, that is merely the moon's view. So uh, how many moons, which which moon is this? How many moons do we have? Um, On our planet, we think we have one moon, but what are the, if we look at the phases of the moon, it becomes more complicated. So in one of his, in, in the last, Dogen's last uh, talk in 1252 for the mid-autumn full moon, the October full moon, which in uh, East Asia is considered the most beautiful uh, final full moon in some ways. Um, he talks about the moon having power, whether it's full or crescent, agreeing with Union. 
He said, Dogen says, the moon is neither round nor lacking. How could it wax or wane? So um, he's in some ways agreeing with Dao. The moon is neither full nor, nor crescent. But then he says, he has a verse, because of Buddha's majestic power, the palace is bright. A thousand glorious rays appear at once, even if humans love the moon in mid-autumn. The brightness of the half moon is boundless in the heavens. So right in the middle of our delusion, right in the middle of viewing the crescent moon, right in the middle of incompleteness, partiality, we can see something that's full. Something that's full. This is sometimes referred to as Buddha nature. So there's this possibility of wholeness, always. So again, going back to the story, Dawu asked, saw his brother Yunyan sweeping, and he said, too busy. And maybe all of us at times may feel too busy. But Yunyan but said, you should know there's one who's not busy. This is one of the great slogans of our family style, of our teaching style. In the tradition of Dongshan, Yunyan and Dongshan and, and uh, Dogen, who brought it to Japan, and Suzuki Roshi, who brought, brought the tr- this tradition to California in the 60s. You should know there's one who's not busy. How do we get to know this calmness, this equanimity, this kindness, this deep love of the what of the one who by the for the one who is not caught up in busyness, even even in the middle of busyness. And they're not two. So many phases of the moons. So uh, there's so much more to say about this, and I could keep babbling, but um, maybe maybe that's enough to say. Um, how do you know the one who's not busy? How do you not get caught in thinking there's busyness and there's not busyness? How do you? How do we integrate? This is this is the the central point of our family style. How do we integrate? this sense of the one who's not busy with all the activities of the world and of our life and of uh, our practice? How do we bring this not busyness into all of our activity without separating them? So in the Bodhisattva way, in the way of universal liberation, we say that nirvana is right in samsara. So this is also a story that we can say about nirvana and samsara. Nirvana, in early Buddhism, in Sanskrit, it means cessation. It's about leaving the world, about uh, not being reborn into this world of difficulties, of busyness, of struggles, of uh, seeing some some beings as other and separate. 
But right in the middle of that, as we act to be to to bring peace, to bring love to the world, uh, Nirvana is there. So you should know there's one who's not busy. Questions, comments, uh, Mike. Maybe you can help me call on people. So I could add something about koans for people who don't know about about those. These are this is one. Uh, this is a story in this koan collection, the Book of Serenity, um, by our Dogen's great great uncle, um, started by Dogen's great great uncle Hongzhe. Uh, these these are these teaching stories are not are sometimes misunderstood as riddles or something that you have to figure out an answer to or a response to or whatever. These are stories about our own practice. That's why we've been studying them. So uh, I, I meant to say in the beginning, Yunyan was living in the um, 700s and 800s around then. So <laughs> this story has been around for a long time. How do we see this, this question of being too busy and knowing the one who's not busy? And knowing that it's not, those are not separate, right in the middle of our lives. Questions or comments, please feel free. Matt. Thank you for your talk, Tegan. I wasn't planning on talking tonight, but I thought I'd get the ball rolling. <laughs> um, so as you know, I have two young kids. Um, just tonight, I shipped them to piano lessons, um, choir, and then wrestling. And so I'm always driving them around. Um, Too busy. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> um, but while you were talking, I was listening, actually, in the car as I was um, going to pick up Tony from wrestling. Um I don't even know what busy is. Like if I wasn't busy driving them around, I'd be busy. I don't know, reading a book or watching TV, you know? So what is busy? It's just a label. Like that's what I would ask, you know, Yan Yan and Dao is like, what is busy? I love the holding up the broom. I love the story. I like the one who's not busy, but like we're always busy or we're always not busy. Like if we're not busy driving people around, we're busy sleeping or something, you know? So I don't know. I just, I, I've heard that, you know, go on a few times, but um, while you were talking, that thought just kind of came to my mind. So thank you. So Matt, when you're sleeping, um, how are you, in what way are you busy during your sleep? I'm doing something. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if um, other parents feel this way. You kind of get in this routine, like, Oh, it's the night that, you know, Calvin has piano and the boys have choir and you just do it and you stop fighting it. You know, there is something about not fighting it. You know, like with Zazen, you know, you can argue about yourself like, I don't want to get up and do Zazen. And eventually, you know, some of us reach that point where we stop fighting and we just do it. And I kind of feel that that's where I'm at. I'm at that stage of my life where I have young kids and being a dad in the year 2022, a single dad, 
means you're driving your kids around. So, um, I mean, I could fight it. <laughs> it's not helping if I fight it. So, Well, I think part of the story is, do you know there's one who's not busy? And what does that mean? So we could talk about all the different aspects of busyness. And we could get very busy <laughs> just, just delineating all the busynesses that there might be. But what is this one who's not busy? What is this? So this is also a story about Zazen. You know, in the middle of our sitting, we may be, we, our, our monkey mind may be rolling around with thoughts and feelings and, you know, what am I going to do tomorrow and what happened earlier today or whatever. Um, but do we also have some sense, some awareness? So do you know, it's not about knowing one who's not busy in the sense of completely defining it. But do we have this uh, some sense of some awareness of one who's not caught up in the busyness? This is, you know, in a a period of Zazen, we might have both. We might be very busy. And then there might be some space where we just settle into our posture, our physical just sitting, our awareness of sound and smell and so forth. So uh, all of this is, um, these are all questions. How do we, and, how, and, and it may be different for each one of us. Maybe the one who's not busy is different in each, in each of these Zoom boxes. <laughs> Yes, David Ray. Thank you, Tygen, for your talk and for talking about this story. Um, tonight, the, that opening question, too busy, um, just seems very like a very strange thing to say to someone sweeping in a temple. And I'm thinking about what kind of, like how to take the tone. Uh, it can be incredibly snarky. It can be intimately teasing it can be a kind of challenge um um yeah just just that and maybe maybe the thing i'm tying it with tonight is is uh, i was i was talking with you about um the way that i'm 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 noticing that i'm more aware of especially at the end of zazen when so it's 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 particularly in zoom at the end of Zazen, I hear the, the host unmuting. And I know that means the bell is coming. And my mind immediately has thoughts of evaluating. Ah, how, so how, how was that? How was that sit? And um, it's interesting just to, just to say, oh, there, there's, that, there's that thought. But that almost feels like the, the annoying thought, like the little brother that says, too busy. I like what you said at first about the tone, you know, I mean, I, I read the story as him, you know, chastising the other, you know, two, two brothers teasing, the brother teasing his, I think, younger brother. Oh, you're too busy. But, you know, it could, it, it might be read as kind of sad. Oh, too busy. 
you know <laughs> how how what is going on between these they, these two brothers this is also about this story is also about sangha and how we and spiritual friends but also these two these two um brother monks <laughs> were also siblings so yeah I, I think there's different ways to to uh it, and with every uh, every koan, with every teaching story, you know, we can read it in different ways. So uh, I appreciated your saying that. Um, and, you know, it's, it, feel, it feels to me, at least initially, as a challenge. I mean, there's two moons, but, you know, it, there's different ways that, could, that might be read. Um, we do tend to uh, set up dualities. You were just talking about it at the end of a period of zazen. You say, oh, is that a good period or a bad period? We make judgments. This is how our mind works. We, uh, we, we, and it's in our language, subject, verb, object. We see things out there or people out there and we make assessments or judgments. And how do we see through that to one there's not making judgments, or if you make judgments, to not worry about that, just to not judge that. So there's a lot that we can uh, play with in this story, and I think that's part of the point of these stories. How do we see them in different ways? How do we see how they uh, are related to our own story, our own practice, just the way you just expressed in terms of uh, uh, at the end of a period of Zazen? Was there one who's not busy there? <laughs> was I too busy in that period of Zazen? That we can do those things. Our mind does those kinds of things. So the, the question, which uh, do you mean there's two moons, is a, a real practice question. Do we split our, our reality into right, wrong, good, bad, left, right, whatever? Um, do we see the full moon where it's all whole and full and unified. Ogetsu, did you have a comment? I do. I was I was thinking about this that our practice is is offering and receiving the Dharma in some kind of conversation and that this that these discussions and these stories are, even though it looks sometimes like there's, you know, the older brother and the younger brother, and they're like in some little razzing relationship that there's, they're actually bringing forth the Dharma together and verifying mutually each other's Buddha nature. And that shifts the tone of it a little. I also thought this not busyness kind of along what Matt was saying is, I think you were kind of saying that, you're just driving your boys to their situation without trying to, you know, you say resistance, but it's like not trying to get something from it. You know, maybe you want to get your son from here to there, but there's a different, just taking care of them. You know, just taking care of them and not trying to, you know, are you getting something? Maybe you're too busy if you're getting something or you're looking to really extract something from that sweeping and if you've ever swept the monastery steps it's amazing how the minute you sweep it there's more leaves 
go right on the sidewalk and then the bell rings the work period's over so there's some there's some teaching in that beautiful sweeping thing so that's those are just images i have but especially of this conversation that we're always in and this is just a these stories are just kind of telling us we're always in that kind of uh, relationship, dharmic relationship. So thank you, Tygen. Thank you, Hogesu. Yes, um, as you were saying about Sazen yesterday, in our, in our so-called busyness, you know, our busyness is when we're trying to get something out of it. You know, we're, we're, not, we're, we're too busy to notice the, our hands on the, on the broom handle and the, and the texture of the broom sweeping the ground and you know just the the reality of just this 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 experience uh, and we get very busy <laughs> kind of trying to get something out of it or trying to you know think we can get rid of all the leaves <laughs> sweep sweep all the dust away <laughs> as if it's not going to come back <laughs> or as if it's not going to be more <laughs> um anyway uh, yeah, Our thank you. Conversation also, the broom is sweeping me. Yes. So there's <laughs> this is the conversation, you know, like Matt's driving the boys to wrestling, but actually <laughs> is wrestling driving you or is <laughs> your boy, you know, like, and it's not like there's one or the other, but this is the kind of softer conversation that I think is so beautiful in practice and in these stories in our lives. So thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yes. The, so these are stories about the texture of our practice, of being present in this Dharma position, in this situation, and also being pulled away by, you know, all the response, our responses to all of the uh, myriad things, all of the stuff of the world, all the, you know, the green light or the red light at the next intersection as you're going, as, as wrestling is drawing your car forward, you know? Um, uh, so it's not that we ign- ignore the dust or the leaves or the, or the traffic lights. It's uh, how do we do that without um, making it into something? But then we do that. You know, that's what David Ray was saying. We, we do think, uh, oh, that was a good period of Zazen. Oh, that was a crummy period of Zazen. <laughs> How can we just, okay, I just made that judgment. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> Let go of it. It's, uh, these are conversations between our, our great ancestors and their conversations that we also have with ourselves and with each other. Yes, uh, Alex. Uh, I think you're muted, Alex. How about now? Can you hear me? Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, Tagging, you know, I I spoke to you about this talk some weeks ago, and and you mentioned that you were giving it on uh, Valentine's Day. Um, and, and that it had something to do with love or, or that it might. Um, uh, is, could you talk a little more explicitly about what this uh, koan has to do with love? Well, all of our practice has to do with love. All of our practice has to do with 
we take care of ourselves and the world and everything in the world. And uh, there's that aspect of love, which Zen is about. But in this story, there's this um, brotherly love or sibling love, you know, as Hogetsu was referring to, these two characters uh, who were, you know, uh, we don't know if this story happened exactly this way historically, but these were two people who really lived uh, back then. Yunyan and Dao, when they were brothers, and uh, they were, you know, what, whatever tone um, Dao had when he said "too busy," they're they're trying, they're supporting each other to um, uh, develop their practice. They're they're spiritual friends as well as brothers, and they may be teasing each other, and they may be, may be giving each other a hard time at times. But they're doing this to help each other fully awaken. So this is also a model for Sangha. You know, how do we, uh, you know, sometimes challenge each other, but help each other to um, realize who we are and, and how we are. So um, I think that model of sibling love, uh, whether it's brothers or sisters or whatever, um, is it, uh, uh, it's about Sangha too. How do we um, encourage each other or challenge each other to more fully express uh, our deepest awareness to go further? And there's actually uh, um, many stories about these two characters, Yunyan and Dao. So there's a whole chapter about Yunyan in my book, Just This Is It about Dongshan and the practice of sessionists. And uh, Yunyan is sort of, uh, and there's a, I won't go into all the, I don't have time to go into all the stories about this, but there are stories about Yunyan being a, com- a complete Zen failure. He studied with uh, two of the greatest teachers, um, three of the greatest teachers in Zen history. And, and the record says that he didn't get it. For, for years and years and years. He just didn't get, he was a, he's a famous Zen failure. And yet he did this to me, he did this wonderful thing. He said, you should know there's one who's not busy. So even if he was a Zen failure, eventually he became the teacher of Dongshan who started our, who founded Soto Zen in China. So our, our family style is, um, comes from the Zen failure. But, um, you know these all these teaching stories. They're they're the, the, whether it's brothers or, or teachers and students or teachers and teachers, you know, are about uh, helping each other to awaken or to more fully express awakening, to see through the places where we're caught by delusions or caught by awakening. <laughs> so, thank you. So. Um, any other comments or questions? We have time for one more, one or two more. Hey, thank you, uh, Tegan. You're welcome. Um, I just wanted to share that it brings up for me a uh, Recently, a teacher pointed out boredom 
And it was as though I had been introduced to somebody I'd never met because I had really been keeping boredom at bay. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that was shown to me, I thought, oh, my God, where the heck am I? Um, So were you at that point, were you bored or were you avoiding boredom? At that very moment, I wasn't bored, but um, I'm still not good at really being bored. I think I was maybe 20 years ago, and I just don't even know how to touch it sometimes. Yeah, thank you. That's a, Thank you for that question. And, and it reminds me of a saying from one of my older Dharma brothers. Um, um, <laughs> you know, uh, practicing in a Zen monastery or temple or residential center, you know, there's lots of repetitive activity. Sweeping the ground, chopping carrots, um, you know, arranging cushions. Um, uh, monastic life is is about repetitive routine activity. It's not about something dramatic and exciting. You know, the, these some of these old teaching stories make you think that the point is to have some dramatic experience or understanding, and that's not the point. So. Um, one of the uh, senior monks at uh, San Francisco Zen Center when I was there and who I knew after when he uh, became abbot of um, uh, Isanji, uh, the Hartford Street Zendo in the Castro in San Francisco, was Philip Whalen, who is, uh, was a great beat poet. He was friends with Gary Snyder and, um, and Ferlinghetti and Kerouac and all those people. And he's very, very erudite, very uh, literary poems, but really great poet. Anyway, he he had this kind of gruff uh, kind of uh, quality. But one one thing he used to say, if it's not boring, it's not Zen. (laughs) So um, I could tell a few Philip Whalen stories, but... um, Anyway, he just to so I, I appreciated your your um, is it Robert? I can't see very well. Oh, Miles, yes, uh, yeah, hi, uh, yeah. Um, part of our practice is about embracing boredom. You know, sitting zazen is the same thing all the time, right? Or it's different each time. Either way, (laughs) we go and we bow to our cushion and we sit down and face the wall. And and our life is like that, too. Driving the kids to wrestling again. (laughs) So how do we appreciate in the middle of that? And okay, question, is boredom busy, being too busy? (laughs) <laughs> is there one not busy in the middle of boredom? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I appreciate the question. And uh, yes, it's a good question for us to, for each of us to look at. So is it time to stop? Should I tell one more Philip Whalen story? That says yes. Um, so um, 
later on he was uh, he was abbot of Isanji, uh, the Hartford Street Zen Center, and um, I was living in San Francisco in 1989. There was a big earthquake. Some of you may have heard. Part of the Bay Bridge fell down, and uh, everything was sort of uh, transportation was uh, messed up. And uh, anyway, and I was living at I was working in San Francisco. I, I I'll make the story short. I was working in San Francisco, but I was living in Oakland at the time. And um, so I, about a week after the this big earthquake. Um, where there were big fires uh, down uh, in uh, northern San Francisco. Anyway, um, about a week afterwards, I um, this was my first time back in San Francisco, and I somehow I, I was visiting a friend who lived near the Harper Street Zendo, and I went to this went to sit zazen the afternoon zazen, and Philip was there, of course, and uh, in the middle of our sitting in his basement zendo. There was suddenly a big jolt, an aftershock of the earthquake. And Philip just said, bah, humbug! <laughs> and everything settled down. <laughs> so anyway, he was, not, uh, he was not busy in the middle of an earthquake. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so these stories are, you know, family jewels that we can... Uh, Go to again and again. I've I, I, I've talked about this story many times. Nogets has probably heard me talk about it more than once. But uh, you know, each time we talk about it, we can see something different. So um, this story does have something to do with uh, with boredom. So thank you for that, Miles. <laughs>